like I said, um, this, is, this, is not, this is not my first rodeo when it comes to taking over for another pastor. And there's a few folks here that know that, <laughs> for sure, and the challenges that can happen. And believe me, when I first uh, came here and served as rabbi, when Rabbi Peter went to Haiti, certainly there were challenges, and there were those that were here that remember some of them. Uh, one thing that happened, I'll just share. There was a daughter of the king who used to come here, and she just loved, loved, loved Rabbi Peter. And she just experienced a lot of healing and a lot of mercy and the love of God through Rabbi Peter. And she just became very, very attached to him, very attached to him. And she was very prophetically minded and prophetically gifted. And she was given a lot of liberality at, at the service under him. And then when he left, boy, I'll tell you, there was a void that she felt within her when she left. And after about two months, she kind of felt that with it, Mishkan, within Mishkan David, at that point, with him gone and me here, she concluded that there was a void. She concluded that there was a prophetic vacuum or a prophetic void here at Mishkan, and by golly, she was going to fill it. So she would come up, ask for the microphone. She would take the microphone. She would share words, and the words became more and more off of center until one day she came, and I remember she was wearing a talit, and she ripped it off, and she said, I don't need a covering. And she started to growl and curse F-words right from here. Well, in the other building. And then the week after, I had to tell her, just rest, no more words. And she just went loose verbally on everybody, just cursed us out, cursed on the, me, the elders, the congregation verbally, and stormed out the door. And uh, I, I share this with joy, and I'll, let me explain. I, one thing I've learned as a rabbi is that the story's never over. It's never over. We tend to look at things very myopically, very short-sighted. Things happen now, and like, okay, that's what it is. But we have to leave room for God in all cases and all ways. And wouldn't you know it, a couple of years later, this daughter of the king came back to the service with tears in her eyes and repentance in her heart. And everything became right with her and with the congregation. And that's God. There's, um, but she, she felt the void. She felt the vacuum. She felt that void, and there was something within her that said, okay, this needs to be filled, and I'm going to fill it. There's an expression, I think it's attributed to Aristotle, and the expression is nature abhors a vacuum. Nature abhors a vacuum, and that expression means that when there is a vacuum, when there is a void, when there is an empty space, there's things in the natural that just want to rush in and fill the thing. And it's, it must be some sort of physical law as well. But you know what? It happens in our hearts also. It happens when we feel voids or vacuums in our lives, in our hearts. You know, we feel this, this sense that something is wrong, that something is missing. And our reaction to that is either just two things. When we sense or feel a void in our lives or in our hearts, in our homes, we instinctively want to do two things. We want to either fill it or we want to run away from it. We want to fill it or we want to leave it. 
and people do that. You, this is why sometimes marriages go sideways and maybe, you know, adulterous relationships can seep into a marriage when, when one of the uh, members of a marriage, uh, one of the couple will say, like, there's something missing here and I'm going to go find it elsewhere. It's, it's one of the reasons why some people will embrace an addictive behavior. We, we sense the void. We sense the vacuum. And, and nature abhors a vacuum. So it has to be filled. So we go to look at other substances to fill that void. You know, I'll tell you, Solomon, of all the biblical characters, Solomon, he knew about filling a void with stuff. In fact, the, the book of Ecclesiastes, what's Susie? And wives. The book of Ecclesiastes is all about him trying to fill the void. It's all about him trying to fill a void. He says, I tried it with wisdom. I tried it with knowledge. I tried it with wives. I tried it with money and wealth and fame and glory and all these things. And none of it, it was all vanity to him. He considered it all vanity. And we as sons and daughters of God have to watch, watch out for that vacuum. Don't get sucked in by the vacuum. Don't get sucked in by the vacuum. We have to watch that. Because God will, let me tell you something, nature abhors a vacuum. But supernature doesn't. Supernatural. Nature abhors a vacuum, but supernature doesn't. Nature abhors a vacuum, but you are partakers of the divine nature, according to Peter, 2 Peter. And there's no place that God isn't. Where can I flee from your presence? Where can I hide from your, your face? Yeshua said, I am with you even to the end of the age. It says in Torah, I will never leave you, never forsake you. He's everywhere. In spirit, there's no such thing as a vacuum because he's everywhere. He's everywhere. He's everywhere. But he will test you with this, sons and daughters. He will test you with this. He will test you with this. God is closer than a brother. He's closer than a brother. He is closer. He will just hug you and stay close and hug you and you feel his presence. But I tell you, sons and daughters, that all as close as God is when we feel his touch, God will sometimes do this. You ready? Now, it doesn't really mean that he moved his hand from us. But he will take his presence and just shift it like a micromillimeter a little bit, and all of a sudden we feel, whoa, something's wrong, something's missing. And we know we have to know in spirit that nothing is wrong because he's everywhere. But he will test us with this. He will test us with this. To, to, so he knows that he could trust us in those times when we're feeling empty. It's easy to praise him when we just feel so full. But he wants us to trust him and believe in him, and not go looking for alternatives when he does this, when he just pulls his hand a little bit, and he only does a little micromillimeter. I don't even know if that's a true unit of measure. But he'll pull it just a little micromillimeter. You know why? Because if he pulls too much, the universe will explode. So he'll just, just, just a little bit, just so you feel, just so you have to pant for him. And, and, and David knew about this. He said, how long, O oh Lord, will you hide your face from me? And he will test you with this, that in those moments, you don't fill the gap. Mind the gap, sons and daughters. Oh, that's good. That's good. Mind the gap. Mind the gap. 
yes, for those that have gone to England, that's what you, that's what you hear when you leave the subway or the, what's the word in the English subway? It's not probably not even subway. The underground, the what? The tube? Okay, you know, you, you have to step over the little gap between the subway and the, and the platform, and all of a sudden you hear the words, mind the gap. Mind the gap. That's a good word. Mind the gap. When you feel that gap, mind the gap. Mind the gap. He'll be, you know, nature abhors a vacuum. Nature abhors a vacuum. You know who does not abhor a vacuum? Satan. It says that when a spirit leaves a person, it goes and wanders and tries to find a place of rest. It wanders in dry places trying to find rest. And when it doesn't find rest, it comes back and it brings seven more. When it finds that the house is clean, okay, it's clean, it's been removed, and unoccupied. Come on, somebody. Who's the owner of your house? God is the owner of the house. When it's unoccupied, when it's unoccupied, he'll bring seven more, seven more demons that are stronger than him. When it's unoccupied. And God will test you. God will test you in those times when we're feeling like there's something missing, that there's something missing. Are you going to fill it with something that's not of him? Or are you going to leave it? Let me tell you something, sons and daughters, that just because you feel, just because you feel a gap, just because you feel the gap, the vacuum, the void, it doesn't mean that you're in the wrong place. It doesn't mean that you're in the wrong place. God isn't always saying every time we feel a gap, you either got to fill it or you got to leave it. God is saying very often, you got to stay right where you are. Stay right where you are and trust me there. Stay right where you are and trust me there. You don't need to go leave your marriage. You don't need to go leave your marriage. You don't need to go separate. You don't need to go find some, fill it with materialism or whatever it is. You don't need to do it. Just stay where you are. You're, I'm right here with you. Just press in. I only moved a millimeter. <laughs> Just reach a little higher. Just reach a little higher. Just reach a little higher. He will test you with this. This is not what we've seen in our current Torah portion. This is the Torah portion where our, our ancestors built the golden calf, or they had Aaron build the golden calf. Boy, they felt the gap, huh? They felt the void. Nature abhors a vacuum. And, you know, our answer, I don't know what was wrong with them. I mean, it says that, you know, all the things they went through was for our benefit and for our learning. Like, you, you got to think, like, you wouldn't do the stuff that they did. Like, it wasn't that long ago. All of a sudden, they're at the feet at the foot of the mountain, and they hear God's voice audibly. God came audibly on that mountain and it, with, with signs and wonders and lightning and thunder and all these things and spoke the Ten Commandments. They just saw that. They just experienced it. They just experienced it. And now Moses goes, wait here, I'm going up. And Moses goes up the mountain to receive the actual tablets and to receive further laws from God. He was up there for 40 days. All of a sudden, we don't know what happened to this fellow Moses. This fellow Moses? We don't know what happened to this guy. This guy Moses. They don't know if he died. They don't know if he abandoned them. 40 days, they just saw God speak himself, himself from the top of the mountain. Aaron, build us gods so we that'll, that'll, that'll deliver us. Build us gods. Nature abhors a vacuum. And they felt that vacuum. Moses was no longer there. And in that moment, when they thought that they were abandoned, when they felt that gap, when they felt the void, they tried to fill it by building this golden calf, another god. I tell you this because there's prophecy in this for what's coming to this world. For the end, for tribulation, there's prophecy in this. 
And you must know this because this thing, it's easy to say, oh, our ancestors, they were just stubborn and stiff-necked, but I am obedient and I have a very flexible neck. It's easy to say that. But I warn you, what happened to them is going to happen to many people of God. Because the people at the foot of the mountain, they all went astray. They turned astray. And the same thing can happen to us, and the same test is going to happen to us when the void comes, when the vacuum comes, when the, vac- when the gap comes. Let me explain how this story is not just a story of what was, but it's a story of prophecy. So I say this often, the, the Torah is not just a book of laws, it's not just a book of do's or don'ts. It is a book of prophecy of both the first coming and the second coming of Jesus. That's what the Torah is. Now, I want you to hear this. I want you to hear this. They had this, this moment where God spoke from Mount Sinai, and he spoke the Ten Commandments. That moment foreshadows Pentecost. And for those that don't know, Pentecost, the actual Acts 2 event that happened, happened on the same day, the same day. It's a Hebrew holiday, Shavuot. It's the same day that God spoke the Ten Commandments from Mount Sinai, and everybody heard that is the same day of Pentecost when he poured his spirit out. It's the same day. It's the same day. So that is the culmination, the culmination of Yeshua's first coming, Pentecost. The giving of the law, the giving of the Ten Commandments from Mount Sinai by God. And then Moses, who is the redeemer of the time. Hear this. Moses, the redeemer, the redeemer of the time, said, wait here. I'm going up. Wait here until I return. Does that sound familiar? I'm going up. Wait here until I return. I'm going up. Wait here until I return. And they waited, and they waited, and they waited for 40 days. Let me give you a little tip on how to read prophecy into these things. When you see something, when you see a unit of time, a measure of time, in its smallest sense, days to years, it's the, it's the plain sense of what you see in the Old Testament, in the Tanakh. But then if you look at things like seven-year spans, the Shemitahs, the seven-year cycles, or the Jubilee cycles, those are prophetic times. So if you see something that's seven years, it, it's, it pertains to what happened, but seven Shemitahs or seven Jubilees pertain to what's coming. We see these, this in the book of Daniel, right? So 70 years they were in Babylon, but 77s or 77-year time period, 70 Shemitahs, this goes to when Yeshua is coming. Seventy years was the exile. Seventy Schmitzes points to when Yeshua is coming. We see that. He was up for 40 days. 40 days. How long is a jubilee? 50 what? He was up for 40 days. How long are 40 jubilees? How many years? 2,000 years. The Messiah has been up. For 40 jubilees. 40 jubilees. And it was at the end of the 40 days that the redeemer of the time, Moses, was up on the mountain when the people started to get anxious. Where is he? Why isn't he here yet? Why hasn't he come yet? Peter said there's going to be, in the end of days, there's going to be scoffers and mockers that will mock. He says, where is he? Where is he? Where is everything the way it always was? Where is he? But God doesn't understand slowness as we understand slowness. He's not slow as we perceive slowness. But is merciful. So people can be saved. 
So here we see at the end of the 40 days, the people of God turned away. They fell away. Yeshua said that during the tribulation, there's going to be a great falling away. And we see it in this story when Moses was up for too long and they decided nature abhors a vacuum and they decided to fill that vacuum with another God. I tell you, the day is coming during the tribulation when Yeshua is going to be delayed, delayed, delayed. And we're like, where is he? Where is he? Where is he? And the people of God in the same way are going to be tempted to build another God. So this is not just a story in the scripture. It's a warning for all of us. It's a warning for all of us. Because if Moses was up there for 40 days, and at the end of the 40 days he came down, and that's when the people rebelled, and fell away, Yeshua has been up there for 40 jubilees. That's the longest time period in, this, in the Torah. The 50-year cycle is the longest. And he was up there for 40 of them, 2,000 years. It's coming very soon. Very, very soon. And be mindful of that. Be mindful. Be mindful. But we can take this down from the end times to the now times, which is more important. Be mindful of mind the gap, <laughs> mind the gap, mind the gap. God will do that to test you. He will do that to test you, to see if you're going to fill it with other things aside from him. And it doesn't mean that every time there's something empty that you don't have to fill it. Like sometimes we have to do it. You know, when my bin of coffee is empty, I'm going to fill it. But when you feel that something is missing in your life, sometimes God is saying, just stay there. Just stay there. Just stay there. I have something for you here. I'm here. I'm here. I know you feel it, but that was intentional. And Satan is ready. He's ready. When, when God does this and you're like, oh, I don't know, something's wrong. I've got to better go do something else or I better go this way or that way or this way. Satan is at the ready to accuse. He's at the ready to accuse. I'm just waiting. He's waiting for, for, for you to, to do something wrong, to sin, so he can go before God and accuse you of that. He's waiting for it. So trust in God in these moments. You don't always have to fill it with something. You don't always have to leave it. You can stay right where you are because nature abhors a vacuum, but supernature doesn't. You know how to fill the gap? You know how to fill the gap? Be filled with the Holy Spirit. That's how you fill the gap. Paul says in Ephesians 5, he said, don't be drunk with wine, which leads to debauchery. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. In other words, don't be filled with wine. Be filled with this Holy Spirit. Don't be filled with materialism. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Don't be filled with the things of the world. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Don't be filled with accumulation of, of possessions and wealth. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Don't be filled with addictive substances. Be filled with the Holy Spirit. Nature abhors a vacuum, a void. You know who doesn't abhor a void? The Lord. Because that same spirit they were to be filled with. It says in the beginning, come on somebody, God created heaven and earth. And the earth was void and formless. But the Spirit of God hovered over the depth, the darkness, the empty, the void. And then God said, let there be light. I tell you right now that God is still speaking, let there be light. 
and the Spirit of God is hovering over the void. So when you feel, when you feel like God is like this in your life, and all of a sudden you feel this, you know what it is? It's the Spirit of God hovering. It's the Spirit of God hovering. It's the Spirit of God hovering. And God is ready to say, let there be light. He or. Just don't be tempted to fill it with things that aren't of him or actions that aren't of him. And don't be so quick to run away. Everybody thinks that the life in, in the Messiah is always just, it's always just full. It's always just full. He will allow us to experience him empty. Getting back to um, the Sunday service. And this I'll say over the microphone. There was a daughter of the king who Susan and I have gotten closer to, who two Sundays ago, I think it was, something like that, came to me after service. and She said, uh, this isn't for me. I'm going to leave. I was like, ah, oh, okay. If that's how you're feeling led. She's like, yeah, you know, this Jewish stuff, I, I just don't know. Seems kind of Catholic to me. Kissing things, bowing. I said, all right. You're free. You're free to come. You're free to go. And then a couple days later, we had our home group, our Havara home group at our house. And guess who walks in? Same woman. She said, oh, I'm so, I'm so glad you're here. And she sat me down. And she said, you know what? I know what I said to you this past Sunday, but I've decided to stay. I don't always get everything. I don't understand it all. But I'm going to stick it out. And isn't that beautiful? Isn't that beautiful? That's of the Lord. That's of the Lord. I don't get it all. I feel something missing. I'm used to how it was. But I'm going to stick it out. Because God has something for me here. Bless the Lord. Hallelujah.